1: but the punt comes right to Pedersen who tries a bank pass for Besser in with a shot, he scores!
0: You're listening to Canucks Conversation. Quinn Hughes, beat reporter here. Like, I don't, I won't cover the Canucks. Yeah. I cover Quinn Hughes and what he's doing to the Canucks. A member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash.
1: Just wave the guy and get Demco involved. I'm one of them in and down.
0: Wow. We should do a radio show together. <laughs> right on. I want to fist bump you right now. What out? Pearl steals, cutting in, shoots,
1: scores. Don't waste all the
0: good stuff on the off-air. Let's go. Hello, Canucks fans, and welcome back to another episode of the Canucks Conversation brought to you by the great folks at Zephyr Epic. You can use promo code hockey season capital H Capital S all one word hockey season that will get you $5 off your order at Zephyr Epic Z E P H Y R epic.com follow them on all platforms by the same name Facebook Twitter Twitch Instagram whatever Zephyr Epic has got you covered and you should be checking them out immediately if you have the chance you should also check out their retail location which is in the same place as what is expected to be BC's biggest sporting venue ever in Fleetwood. Is is Zephyr Epic in Fleetwood? It's not technically in Fleetwood. You know your Surrey geography better than I do. Ah, uh, yeah, not not in Fleetwood. Okay. Well, this, nice. this stadium, Doug McCollum, the Doug McCollum Center is going to be in Fleetwood. We'll talk about that and much more. But first, remember, Zephyr Epic. Check them out. Promo code Hockey Season. The best part about Zephyr Epic is they ship free anywhere in Canada on any order over $50. From Fleetwood?
1: Nope. Okay.
0: From Comox to Cornwall, Ontario. Go ahead. Tell me about Cornwall, Ontario.
1: Cornwall, Ontario. Cornwall is Ontario's easternmost city. There's one word, easternmost. It's not a word you use every single day. Fun to use that one. So, yeah, furthest east city in Ontario. Population, 46,589. That was in 2016. Not a lot of famous people here. I couldn't find... Like, there's a few former NHLers. Nobody really of note that I wanted to bring up, but... Cornwall's famous for having a massive rib fest.
0: Okay. That's a shout big part. Out, to, shout out Montanas.
1: Uh, shout out Montanas. They probably got some ribs there. You get the the honey apple barbecue sauce. Uh but Cornwall since it's the eastern part of um Ontario, they are the gateway to Montreal, known as that. And uh hear me out on this. I, I read this at first I said, "Oh my gosh, I got to put this in," but uh quickly had to had to read more about it. I read that they had a 500,000 foot shoppers drug mart. 500 what? square foot shoppers drug mart. And I was like, no way. That's 500, massive. 500,000.
0: five hundred square foot no, shoppers No,
1: 500,000 square foot yeah, yeah, shoppers, drug yeah. shoppers drug mart. And I was like, oh my goodness. It's a uh, distribution center. So it's just like a factor. I thought I was like, you got to be kidding me. This is the this biggest. This is a gold mine. It's the <laughs> biggest drug store known to man. But unfortunately, yeah, it's just a distribution center. That's which an is,
0: interesting place for them to have that.
1: Yeah, I don't know it's well so it's a Cornwall's, gateway to montreal yeah, montreal they like their drug stores they like the shoppers over there yeah Le, we like Le shoppers, shoppers, shoppers over there in uh, montreal
0: drug mart to shoppers yeah
1: that's uh, that's what would the
0: actual you speak french what's the actual translation Shh, dude i don't know
1: don't ask me these little french i'm good at like just basic french conversation but then everyone's like oh like tell me what uh, tell me how to say levitate in french i'm like i don't know how to say Levitan. words like that well, but like that was the big problem when i was in montreal for the draft chilling there, doing everything. Everything was good. Basic. Like you could speak English most places, but then you get to a spot where it's like you get in a situation where you've never been in before. Like I'm at the grocery store and I'm paying for my whatever. Say hi. How's it going? It's all good. And then like you pay for it. And then they, like, I've never been asked, like, how are you, like, what are you going to pay for this? Like, are you going to use debit or, or like credit card? And I didn't know like what those words were. I don't know what debit is in French. Or like, and then she like says that like, oh, like just David pulled it up. Then she asked me another question. I remember, and I guess she asked me like, what bags I wanted. And I'm like, I've never like these aren't the things you like that I learned in school speaking French. So like, I had no idea what they (laughs) said at that point. So yeah, I don't know what.
0: uh, It's a good thing you went to Montreal without me. Yeah, if I was in that situation, I literally, unironically, I would have been like a papier. Well, and like you could get uh, like you can get by with
1: English a lot, but there were there were places where you couldn't. And I was like, everyone told me, like, oh, English works everywhere. It was like, it, it, most of the time, you could probably get away with it. But yeah. there were some places that didn't have any English either. So wow. it wasn't like I thought it was going to be. French definitely helped. So send me next year, uh, Nation Network.
0: Yeah. Chris Faber, for ladies and gentlemen. I
1: speak, uh, speak English well. So I'll be down in Nashville, draft next year in Nashville. I'm going to that for sure. I'll probably go. That's going to that gonna too. be a blast. Yeah.
0: The man yeah. who uh, once famously spoke to Antoine Roussel. In Sometimes French, I yeah. miss Roussel for that reason, mostly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I miss used to Roussel.
1: Got at Good guys chat with. Yeah.
0: The Canucks Convo curse. Anybody who chats with us gets tricked. Zach McEwen. See you later. <laughs> All right. And we're also delivered by the great folks at DoorDash. Cole Lind, he's gone. Ding dong. <laughs> Hey, that kind of rhymed. Uh, promo code CONVODD is the one you're going to use there. Capital C, capital D is all one word, CONVODD. That will get you 25% off and free delivery on your first order with the DoorDash app. Does not get much better than that, folks. My name is David Cuadrelli, joined as always by the man who built the place, Chris Faber. And on this episode, we have a very special guest. Jonah
1: Gadjevich he's talked to us. He's gone.
0: Yes, Jonah gadjevich is also gone. Who else?
1: Aiden McDonough, he'll be gone.
0: Oh, you're predicting a McDonald's. Well, we
1: talked to him so much; he probably is. He Someone, rap, someone's going to this. He's gone.
0: Oh, don't say. Stuff Everybody's like that. gone. Who's come on this show? Don't say. Phil like DiGiuseppe,
1: our boy, this summer coming on. He's hey, gone. He Sheldon Dries, he's gone. He resigned. who else has come on the show? Just be nice, Mikey DiPietro, Like <laughs> that's <laughs> playing out pretty well. He's been on here a couple times. He's gone.
0: Oh my gosh. Well, okay. Stop. Stop saying this because someone's going to hear it, and we're never going to get any players. Yeah, this again. is the,
1: no. This is the problem we get. This someone's going to put out the quote of this on Twitter. Yeah. And they're going to be like, uh, they're just going to say all these player names gone. Then they're going
0: to put Chris Faber, Canucks Convo. The Besant Motors curse, which we'll talk about today. Besant Motors is going to be discussed on the show today. Uh, Sponsor the show, Besant Motors. Uh, Just don't listen later on to what we're going to say about uh, everything going on. Mm. But, Let's just jump into the
1: I'm, That's what I'm working on right now, Trying. Hold, hold on, gotta, I, I gotta, was
0: I was introing the guest. I was saying we have a very we'll special guest, and you go on. Here. We'll get to that in a minute here. Disrespecting Will what Scouch
1: I've, of Scouching. Yeah, Scouching's going to join us. Pump for that. Met him at the draft. We were speaking French, having some drinks. He's coming on the show, but we need a car dealership to sponsor this show. <laughs> right? Yeah. That's what I've been trying for. I email all these people. I say, Mazda, I'm on the phone with Mazda? Nothing. I'm trying to sell me a car. I'm trying to sell them ad space. <laughs> It gets flipped on me so fast. These car salesmen <laughs> are sharks.
0: Uh, okay, I guess I'll have a car. <laughs>
1: yeah, I was like, I got a Mazda already. You're, you're I'm making a sales
0: one. call and accidentally walk away with a Mazda. Yeah, was like, some of those Mazdas, those new ones, are very nice. Yeah, you know, I'm a big Mazda guy.
1: Well, I, I just got, uh, I just gave the Mazda back to my. I used to have the Mazda, gave it back to my nana. Yeah, she let me use it. She she didn't want to drive it. So now I gave it back to her. Now i took still got rid of this truck now. I got this truck that has been sitting here for two oh, years. Oh, yeah, the red one. Oh, my goodness. This is a nice truck. Does hit me it up. Still run? Oh, yeah. Have I you drove posted it on other... Facebook Marketplace? No, I drove the other... I'm too busy to sell a truck. So it's just been sitting at uh on my parents' driveway for like two years now. Have you so started So if you want a truck, recently? hit me up. Yeah, I, d- I drove it the other day. Remember? I had to you're... charge the battery, but yeah, it just it say, drove right away. Battery
0: died? Yeah. <laughs> All right. We'll jump into Hockey Talk, right? Well, now I'm driving a Hyundai. So if you run a Hyundai uh, dealership... Okay, can I... Quickly. Have you noticed the horn on the Hyundai? Or like ever locked your car? I don't... Ho- oh, yeah. It's a little... It's bad. Oh, it's not... Yeah, it's not good. It's, it's the worst horn I've ever heard. Like, yeah, it was like they were it's like... pretty like, soft. Let's make the most annoying... Most wimpy horn we can and that's what they did with that like, uh, horn.
1: You got a regular horn. Like listen, the silverado I got, the truck, great horn on oh, it. Oh yeah. For it sounds sure. like if that horn farted. That's what the Hyundai <laughs> sounds like. I cause yeah, I have to lock it all the time and I give the little Meh, that's all it is. Sounds like uh Dina and Snooky from Jersey Shore. That's <laughs> what they used to always say. I'm deep into Jersey Shore, I gotta stop. I, I got so addicted. I just have it on in the background now. Everybody's they're, watching Love Island. They're coming back from Italy right now. Yeah. Mike the situation, he's a problem. Jeez, i, I got situation, that. one might say. Yeah.
0: Everybody's watching Love Island. I'm yeah. watching Friends for the first time. Really? Yeah, I'm doing a watch through of Friends one season three now. I've been
1: now. Uh, watching hockey because that's my job, so I've been doing that oh. early in the morning. That we'll talk about nice. it later on in the show. We'll chat with a couple prospects with uh, Scout when he joins us, but yeah. big day for uh, prospects. You're recording yeah, this on a jump Friday. Jump into
0: it. We don't need to do a prospect before at the end. No? That's the okay. main thing is repeaty. Elias Petterson 2.0. Two goals and an assist.
1: You gotta say repeaty. You can't say repeaty. Repeaty. Repeaty sounds like a Pokemon. No, it's repeaty.
0: Well, do you say repeat? Yeah. Can, can you please repeat that? Yeah. It's repeat. Repeat. No, no, no.
1: Repeat. They're repeat champions. No, no. no. They're repeating champions.
0: Yeah. Now you're getting it. But yeah. Not repeating champions. Well,
1: repeaty sounds better than repeat.
0: No, repeaty. Repeaty. No, not repeaty.
1: No, that's not how I because I noticed this, you take it out of my articles, I'm doing R E dash PD and you're taking the dash out.
0: Yeah, it's Because you want
1: Repeaty. Yeah. No, I don't like that. I yeah, like Yeah, re- I always
0: do editor's note, it's Repeaty. Yeah, I like repeaty
1: because that's that you're really putting emphasis on the re.
0: I put repeaty in the title today. I saw that. <laughs> I yeah, you're
1: that. all about that nickname. I I like that he wore number two. He was wearing so yeah, let's get into it. Um I think we talked about it on the last episode that the that Lucas Forsell and Elias Petterson are playing. Uh, For Sweden at the U24 Nations tournament. Uh, And I love that Elias Pettersson is wearing number two because that's what I like for the nickname is EP2. Um, And the fact that he's wearing number two, maybe that's something down the road he can wear. That's cool. I'm not going to lie. I like it as, and plus like it reminds, you know, brings back some Matias Olin memories. That was awesome to see him in number two for the Vancouver Canucks, but uh, had a really good game on Friday. They're playing three games in three days. Um, So Pettersson scored two goals uh, and like I should uh, quickly give this caveat that uh, they they whooped Slovakia like 11 to 1. So, like, it, they were going to put up a lot of points. Um, and Pedersen scored two goals in the game, had a nice assist as well to go with it. Lucas Forsell had a really nice play to set up one of the Pedersen goals. Um, so, it was, it was a really strong performance from these prospects and still very young. Both of these guys, 18 years old, Pedersen uh, and Forsell can play on the World Juniors this year. And that could be exciting. I don't think Pedersen gets there, but I do think Forsell, like, there's – There's a good chance, and to watch Pedersen play, man, I've been way more impressed with the offense uh, in Pedersen's game than I thought there was at the start. Like, I knew he was a good skater, and I knew he was physical, um, and I've seen him do that before, but just watching him at this Four Nations tournament, he loves to step into the play. He loves to kind of just, like, sneak his way into the slot and look for a one-timer and take a lot of shots from the point. So I've really liked Pedersen's game so far at this uh, tournament here, and they're going to wrap it up Saturday morning against Finland uh, for the – Whoever wins that game wins the tournament. But they've been – both of them have been excellent so far. Um, And Pedersen is still expected just to go back to the uh, SHL and play in the SHL this year. So starting to look like, you know, getting pretty promising from a guy who's selecting a third round for the Canucks.
0: Yeah. I mean, I Is know what you felt like a,
1: like, listen, he deserved to be go, like go to some team in the third round, but the fact reach. of the Canucks drafted them, like a yeah. little bit of a joke there. They had to, like, they had to be laughing on the draft floor. They should have, that should have been like a minute of the behind the scenes thing for the, the Canucks put out for the draft. They should have just had a minute of them joking about, it. cause you know, everyone in management yeah. and scouting staff was like, Oh, I can't believe we got Elias Peterson. like, that's so funny. Well, they should have had, uh, they got to give us the behind the
0: scenes of just that. Well, what we did hear behind the scenes from that pick was Cami Granado encouraging Todd Harvey to make that pick because, and she said, this is your guy. So Elias Peterson was a Todd Harvey pick, not a Judd Brackett pick.
1: Mm.
0: What they should have had is
1: like the, the PR staff or something, or like the social media be like, please do it. Draft <laughs> Elias Peterson, It'll be so funny. Like, it'll be so good for our social media. Like that's, I mean, that's what they need the behind the scenes of.
0: It's good for us. You throw Elias Pettersson in a title, it's cleaning up yeah, on Canucks true. Army.
1: But that's the problem. Like, uh, now, the problem that I'm having with like Elias Peterson coverage is like everybody always thinks it's still so funny. I think I said this like a month or two ago on the show, but everyone in the comments is like, oh, what's uh, what's a 23-year-old doing at a U-20 tournament? It's like, okay, I don't know if these people think. These jokes are freaking Got All the sunglass uncles thinking they're comedians now. <sighs> They're coming in here saying what's uh, what's the uh, what's Elias Pedersen doing playing a twenty tournament? They think it's hilarious. It's not fu- It's not funny anymore. Like it's it's hard. Like this is it's. I always keep I keep replying to people on Twitter. It's like, gonna be a long season if we got to deal with these Pedersen jokes all year long. But like we're gonna have to deal with them for probably a long time. <laughs> yeah, a now. long time. Okay, so oh, here's my
0: take, Chris. He should wear number forty yeah, two rather than two. Yeah, I like forty two as well because he's forty two. Yeah, as in he's forty as well. Okay. Well, on that note. <laughs> <laughs> we'll cut to uh, Will Scouting. No, Just one before more. Before we do that. One more.
1: I don't want to talk about Meierberg real quick. Then we'll get to uh Sure. We'll Let's get talk to about the guy who didn't minutes. make it at the tournament. Yeah, but he moved up to uh, – he's playing the Osvenskian League, right? He's loaned there. We know that. He's playing with Mora, and he moved up to the first pairing. Uh, I haven't watched the game yet because it wasn't uh, available on some of the streaming sites I use, but I'll go back and uh, watch that game when it gets posted. Um, so, Yeah. Just nice to see Myrenberg hopping up in the lineup, and he was playing on the power play the other day. Um, excited to follow him, and he should be playing a lot of minutes if he's already getting a chance to, you know, be a first pairing guy. Like this, this loan to the fence. is going to be really good for his development. So we'll keep an eye on Myrenberg as well, who's the best right D prospect in the system. So all right, I got all my prospect stuff out of the way. Now let's talk more prospects with uh, with our guest coming up here, who. Chat a little bit of draft, chat a little bit of uh, Kuzmenko and a little bit more stuff. Maybe some YouTube chatter as well, because that's where he's famous from. Um, so let's get to our guest here, Will Scouch of Scouching, joining us here now on the Canucks Conversation. So we'll take a quick break first, right? Huh? Locked and loaded, as you say, quads? That's right. Locked and loaded. Uh, interview coming up. Probably some ads coming up here, too. Keep it locked. Keep it loaded. Canucks Convo. We're coming up. Will Scouch right after the break.
0: Before we go any further into the episode, we have to give a quick shout-out to our friends at montana 's montana 's is the barbecue expert in Canada. They smoke their ribs in house every day and then they sauce and fire grill them to order montana 's legendary all you can eat ribs promotion is on now seven days a week until the end of summer. Come in for all you can eat ribs and get montana 's messy to win weekly prizes. Chris, do you have a little Montana story for us? I
1: tell you, go get the apple uh, butter barbecue sauce, the best sauce they got there. And listen, the ribs are great. Do the all-you-can-eat ribs. but If you're not in the mood for ribs, four cheese spin dip. They got an incredible spinach dip in Montana, as You know it. And, and you can find the barbecue sauce at the store as well. I'll take home a bottle with you. There you apple go. butter barbecue. Excellent stuff.
0: So be sure to go visit Montana's where they have certified smoke and grill masters doing all of the barbecuing with seven locations throughout British Columbia. Shout out Nanaimo. Including Nanaimo, British Columbia, Langley, Tawasson, Prince George, Victoria, Fort St. John, and Kelowna. Be sure to go check out Montana's Barbecue and Bar today. You have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host.
1: And kicking off the second half of the episode, very excited to be joined by a guest that was actually requested by multiple people will believe it or not request it to come on the show joining us here from McKean's hockey. You can find him on YouTube at Scouting. Same thing on Twitter. Will Scout joining us here. Will, how you doing, man? What do you think of those requests that are coming in for you?
2: Oh my, oh my goodness. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm honored and thrilled. It's been a long time coming, but I'm happy to be on.
1: So talk me through the YouTube channel, man, and how everything started for you with kind of, you know, going that direction yeah. for talking about prospects and scouting.
2: Yeah. I mean, I've always had an interest in the draft and, um, Around I'd say 2015, I started to, you know, I had been a, an analytics geek since the early days of the of the work that had been coming out, you know, reading all the Eric Tulsky work back in the day and and behind the net and all those old websites from going on 10 years ago is terrifying. Um, and uh, and going into 2015 or so, I started realizing that hey, there's not that much data work going on in the draft and in the junior side of things, and so I sort of figured, ah, you know, I'll fill that niche, why not? Um, and after a couple of years, uh, I figured I wanted to expand a little bit, sort of put my work out there in a way that I felt was more my own way of doing it, and I also found that the existing data solutions were not only what I wasn't looking for, but relying on what was already out there wasn't, you know, in terms of draft performance, wasn't always really getting the value that I thought you could get out of looking at data outside the NHL. Mm -hmm. So I sort of thought, okay, well, let's break things down. Let's build a philosophy from the ground up. Let's build uh, a way to capture a player's profile that's relatively free from bias or at least more free from bias and really examine what it is that these players can do and what they can't do and where there might need to be improvement or where their strengths lie, and that might point you in the right direction more often um and i felt the best way to pre- present that based on how i am i felt okay there's not much of this on youtube right like you google who your team drafted in the second round and you might get their hockey db page but you won't get any information about them so i thought okay may as well cast a wide net and just put stuff out on youtube because there's not much there and it sort of went from there um and it's now completely snowballed out of control and it's now a large part of my life so Um, but yeah, I mean, I just, it was honestly just spotting a gap in hockey and sort of just going, all right, I'm going to stick my foot in here. It's going to probably not be very good for a while and sort of figuring out a balance of what works for me and what doesn't. Um, and now, you know, I've kind of fallen into a pretty good groove and, uh, things have been going really well.
1: Absolutely, man. Uh, It's interesting because I think it works so well for you on YouTube because you mentioned like there is a lot more information out there if you're able to search for it. But with, you know, combining analytics and prospects and just kind of more advanced numbers about prospects, if you just look it up, it's strange, but you do such a good job, Will, of, of chatting about how it kind of works with players that are in different leagues, right? Because if you look at a guy, you know, whether he's playing in, you know, the Belarusian J20 league compared to what the WHL is doing, I'm sure the numbers (laughs) look a lot different. So that's kind of got to be a spot where YouTube has to like big time help you because you're able to just explain, you know, with your voice, I think is even a little bit different than what we would kind of do in an article at Canucks Army type of thing.
2: Yeah, that's kind of also been the approach. I I find that also verbal communication about something that can be so – you, you context driven, like a narrative driven. You know, media is a written media is one way to do it, but you know, there is value in you know. For example, the way I see it is, you see all these behind the scenes videos coming out from the draft with all the scouts around the table. Those conversations are important, and they need to happen. And you have to have multiple inputs of 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 opinion. But you know, that's much more difficult. Text only, even if you provide, say, video with context. And so, what I'm trying to do is basically bring that experience to the audience and do it here so like a big part of what I do is live streams every week and that basically is like me discussing this kind these kinds of findings and this work with whoever might want to know things or people might push back on things I say and, and it just sort of creates this sort of almost like a scouting meeting in a way and it's a little different and, and I think adds a lot of really pivotal context and I think that's the big thing where I think the work that I do carries value relative to other uh, sources is that there's a lot of context and nuance that can come out when you're showing people something on tape, but then you go, yeah, this guy is getting the puck in the offensive zone way more efficiently than most other guys. But the way that it's happening and, and how it's being generated might be a bit of a question mark in terms of projecting beyond this point, which is really the key, right? Like you're not looking for the best players today. You're looking for the, the guys who will play a role and play that role well in the NHL at some point, right? Like, and that's a, that to me is a very different conversation.
1: So you're rolling through the 2022 draft recap videos right now. You mentioned uh, some of these behind the scene videos that we're seeing come out of the draft. We, uh, we were actually just joking before we brought you on about how hard the Vancouver Canucks must have been laughing behind the scenes when they drafted Elias Pettersson uh, in the third round. We're talking about the defenseman <laughs> right now. So you've got your video out there on YouTube right now, the Vancouver Canucks draft recap. Let's let's start with Pettersson since we're talking about behind the yeah. scenes stuff. How much do you think that management group was just laughing? Like uh, Drafting the player for the name is interesting. It also seems like a guy that, you know, it, it was a decent pick, I think, there at 80 for the Vancouver Canucks. But how do you kind of look at... Elias Pedersen, I guess two now going to the Vancouver Canucks. Quads like to call him Repeaty. It's Repeaty. Yeah, it's Repeaty. Okay, I
2: like name. that. I'll take that. I'll take that home with me. I'm taking it. <laughs> there I you like go. It. Um, but yeah, I, I, you know, Elias Pedersen. I, it's funny for sure. I, I am really hoping that it works out for him, just because I don't know what they're going to do with the nameplate, because you can't put E Pedersen on two jerseys. And usually when that happens, they put two letters, but their names are literally identical. So if both jerseys say Elias Pedersen on the back. I think I wouldn't be very happy like the old Gordy Howe jersey. Mm-hmm. But uh, anyway, um, but yeah, I mean, I, uh, with Elias Petterson, look, I mean, the way I've been sort of explaining this past year's draft to a lot of people is I'd say once we got past 60th overall or so, there wasn't a whole lot of guys where I was like, I cannot believe this guy's still available. I am so, so excited about this player and I cannot believe they're still available. Maybe, maybe 70th overall beyond that point. There's a lot of guys where you can make an argument that they were worth drafting. I've seen Elias Pedersen play here and there over the course of the year. He never really jumped out at me for really sort of taking a detailed look at him. But I watched him a bit in the Swedish Pro League, watched him a little more in the junior level. Um, And to me, he's a, a nice blank slate defenseman, right? Like he's not a defenseman. You know, and that's not a negative. Like, to me, he's a defenseman where he's got decent fundamental tools. He can move. He's got some skill. There were some moments where I saw some really impressive skill moments out of him, but those were pretty few and far between. But you still saw them, and I think that matters. And I think the thing to sort of take away is he's capable of being good in the fundamental ways of playing hockey. But in terms of what his role is going to be, like where he's going to end up in the NHL if he even gets there, you know, I think there's a little bit of a ways to go and I don't think there's anything, like I can't point to him and be like, okay, he's going to quarterback your power play mm. or he's going to kill penalties or whatever. But a guy who you can throw out, like if you get that, if if you get a guy who can play on your third pair or something and just chip in and have enough skill and mobility to sort of fetch pucks, find options, make an outlet pass and and sort of participate offensively here and there, like you've won your draft pick if that's in the third round, right? So I, I always try to set my bar at a reasonable level for anyone that is not sort of in that super, super high-end range that, you know, you kind of just are where you're kind of drafting a guy you really, really want to work out. And I think Pedersen, maybe I would have drafted him a little later um, just because of there's no like X factor in his game that I, that I, personally I like to point to and go, this is the thing that makes this player special. But for him, he's got enough talent, I think, that's sort of a blank slate, and it'll really come down to sort of how they develop him and what they see he can be capable of. I think there's a number of options um, that might maybe lean a little bit more playing with the puck, maybe a little bit more offensively, but you never know, and there's 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 a strong fundamental baseline, I'd say, to work with.
0: So, blowing past your reasonable expectations, if he makes the NHL, what number should he wear? Um... We're between hmm. 2 and 42. Big prospects guy. Yeah, me. big prospects guy. Yeah, I mean,
2: either that, either that, because you can't do zero four. 4. No. I mean, uh, 80 would be fun, just doubling oh, it. Oh, I like that. Um, I like that. Or, you know, like you could do that or, or a 44. Uh, I don't know. I'm trying to think of maybe 48 because an 8 kind of looks oh, like a 0. That's Something good. Something like that. You Although, know, that make was it really a, confusing.
0: That was last worn by Oli Olevi, who also famously <laughs> collapsed in the uh, bank. So we don't. No, we don't, we don't talk, talk about, about 48s him. anymore. Right, <laughs> In okay. all seriousness... That one. Yeah, in all seriousness, Will, uh, Ty Young. That was a pick that I, I think surprised some people that he was taking the fifth round. Like, Ty himself, when I was chatting with him, even said he was surprised that the Canucks took him. Uh, not necessarily in that spot, but that he was drafted by the Canucks, who so he didn't really have a, a long interview process with or anything. But do you like that pick for the Canucks in the fifth round?
2: If you're going to draft a goalie in the late round... Um... General, I mean, generally, I would probably advise to stay away from North American goaltenders. But mm. Tai Young is a bit of a Ty Young is a bit of a different case. I think. I mean, I watched a bit of the Prince George Cougars this year here and there. They were bad. They're very young. They're you know they, if, if I'm recalling correctly, he faced one of the hardest workloads of the, the CHL draft eligible goaltenders that I that I watched this year, and did pretty well saving those pucks and and sort of getting in the way. You know, you have a 3.5 goals against average and a 900 save percentage. You're facing 35 shots a night, and that's on average. Like, there were a lot of games where he was facing 40, 45 shots a night and not getting sort of lit up. Um, In the AJHL, the case is even crazier. He had a a 3.5 goals against against average, but it was a 9.20 save percentage. So that's closer (laughs) to 39, 40 shots a night playing for the Calgary Canucks. So he's getting lots of practice stopping pucks. You know, there's a bit of a track record stopping pucks as well in his previous years. Um, he's really young as well six foot three and, and born September 11th 2004 so almost a 2023 first time eligible um, and there it, to me it just checks a lot of boxes for a guy that I'd be happy to take a swing on late in the draft ideally I think Prince George they're youthful they're younger guys are going to get older and more experienced that team should get a little better they keep drafting a ton of guys and hopefully that helps sort of make his stats look a little better but I mean look goalies are also very strange I would Absolutely trust goalie coaches to say, "Yeah, let's give this guy a go." Um, and he would have been on my list in terms of guys that play net this year that I would have drafted in a year that I felt was kind of low uh, for for, for draft eligible goaltenders, to be honest. But mm-hmm. he was an he was an interesting one, and I think that this is around the range where you know maybe I even would have thought about taking him a little bit earlier if the goalie people were really really high on him. But I I was really curious to see him get picked, and uh, I'll be very interested to see where his career
0: goes. You talked about the, I guess, philosophy is the word we'll use uh, with prospects, and how you look for that X factor, right? And, and that one thing that they do really well. Does that same rule apply when you are evaluating goaltenders? And if so, what's Ty Young's X factor for you?
2: So it's funny. I mean in my in my philosophy, like I know way less about goaltending than I do skaters. I, never, I played goalie when I was like six, and I don't think that's very projectable to now. <laughs> but, but when I look at Ty Young, I see – like with goaltenders, I do a lot of work before I even watch them play. And that's sort of looking – I really leverage data for, that, for, that, for those purposes. So year over year, are they stopping pucks? That's like the number one thing for me. There are not very many NHL goaltenders where in their draft-eligible year and prior, they're like an 890 goaltender – That just, it's so rare. I think Braden Holpe is like the only one I can think of where he was not really stopping a whole lot of pucks and then all of a sudden he takes off and becomes an NHL goaltender. So Ty Young checks that box. I do think that there is a benefit, especially at the NHL level, to have those extra three or four inches of size. Not everybody can be UC Soros. And yes, I think there is room for goalies like that in the NHL, but it is much harder. Like this is a game of inches where shooters are really, really, really good the pace of the play gets, gets stepped up from even the AHL or the KHL. Like, it's just a league of its own, in my opinion. And so those one-timers, those cross-ice passes, those are coming slightly faster, and that extra little bit of length can, can help you stop those pucks. So to me, that does move things in the right direction. It's not the be-all, end-all, but it factors in. I go, I go use a service uh, called Instat, which does a lot of interesting goalie tracking based on where shots are coming from i look at how how often they're saving shots on rebounds how often they're saving shots uh from medium distance from low distance um you know how often they're facing those shots from medium and low distance rather than shots from the perimeter because that can also wildly change their save percentages and then you know what i'll go in and watch them tape one thing i do look for you know how good are the goalies at tracking the puck and how fluid is their motion right like can they for example, a guy I really, really liked last year was Jester Walstedt. He was, I think, top three on my board. Cause when I watched him, I'm going, okay, this, this guy at every single moment on the ice, he's square to the puck. He follows it really, really well, stays calm, and he's constantly making himself as big as he can in the net. When he, when he goes down to cover pucks, he's not removing his entire upper half of his body from the top part of the net, just in case that puck squeaks out or something. When he's, you know, when he's going side to side, he's not really wasting any motion and he does it really, really quickly. So that's to me like the final, final step. But I mean, most of the time with goaltenders, a lot of it is more data driven for me personally. But I, and and where you value that in context of the draft, I mean, goaltending is a bit of a crapshoot anyway. It's, it's a bit of a crapshoot, but. You know, there's a lot of ways to avoid making the wrong decision, I guess is what I'm getting at, uh, using data in the first place and then you can sort of examine the on ice play in my view and sort of supplement that, that first part.
1: All right, Quads, I know you're happy with all the goalie talk, but you know I hate that stuff, so let's move stuff, on. good stuff, It was good I, stuff. <laughs> I feel like the mo- like full moon just came up and Kevin Woodley jumped on the show again. <laughs> um, cool. All right, we'll, uh, we'll move on to another guy that I want to talk to uh, you about from this draft, and it's Jonathan LeCarrie The Canucks select him with the 15th overall pick. Uh, just felt like kind of going into that draft that – there could be a, an outside possibility he was maybe going to be a guy that goes around 10, 11, 12, ends up dropping to the Canucks at 15. Some people had him a little bit lower because of the, just the drive and I guess kind of his, his play that just seems to be a little bit too much on the perimeter, and I think we saw that showcased a little bit uh, in the World Juniors as well. Like His performance at the World Juniors was a lot of what we kind of heard about him going into that draft as well. So how do you evaluate the Canucks going with LeCarrie at fifteen?
2: I think at fifteen, it was a bit of a no-brainer. I mean, that's a that's just after where I had him ranked, and I, you know, look. I think Jonathan Lukarimaki brings some of the traits that I see in guys his age in the last few years. That is a bit concerning for guys that score a lot of goals. Like, I mean, obviously he he scores goals because of the quality of his shot, which is which is phenomenal. He one of the best shots in the entire draft. You know, seeing some of the guys that went ahead of him, I'm going okay. I can see the argument here, but you know, and they carry similar amounts of risk. But boy, that 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 finishing ability that Lakaramaki has is really, really good. Um, you know, I, I just I see with Lakaramaki in the data that I tracked, for example, just he wasn't really doing much of anything really, except shooting the puck really, really, really well. Hmm. And even when he was shooting the puck, it was from areas where you're probably not going to score. But what happened as the year went on is he got a lot more comfortable and settled in sort of at the pace he's naturally playing in the SHL. So, you know, he kind of settled in. He sort of didn't try to dangle the pants off of guys entering the offensive zone. He just kind of found a route and took one step and cut in and maybe got a few steps in that in that of space in that little bit of time, you know. So he just sort of simplified things a little bit and got a little more effective and a little bit more controllable. And that shot was still there. Um, I don't think he's going to be a massive NHL play driver unless there's really significant improvement in the next little while. But his finishing ability is is really really high end, and in that range of the draft, I mean, I'm looking at the guys that went after him. I had a uh, uh, Liam O'Gren ranked higher. I had uh, Phillip, uh, Philip Philip ranked higher, and Brad Lambert ranked higher. But if you're really going to be serious and like examine all of these different options, if I had to pick one player that sort of had a trait that was super super high end here it probably would have been the Karamaki. i think ogren might be a little bit more well-rounded mm-hmm. osland i think is riskier but brings a really good transition potential brad lambert has issues but the upside i think it's higher but there's also risk there's a lot of things moving and in moving on this and i think the Karamaki at 15 makes just a ton of sense i think at the very end of the day you put him on a line with you know an Elias Pedersen or something one day. And he, he, he's just going to – if you get someone to set him up for shotting at shot attempts, he's going to be just fine. And and I think that they're going to get a really good scorer out of him with sort of capable uh, capable play in other areas of the ice, especially in transition.
1: Yeah, I think the thing that we, we've seen just from watching him before the draft and now watching him at the World Juniors as well is like it, to me it's not a question about – effort level, like in the defensive zone, it's almost just about like having to get himself engaged. Like it's, you know, he, he just needs to kind of, be part of the play. It almost feels like he's just on a different wavelength sometimes with his line mates. And I think that really showcased itself uh, at the world juniors, but you kind of mentioned it last year, like when he's playing with Ogren and, and getting a chance to be with the same line mates, like that's when the offense started to really develop. And what we've been talking about over the last little bit with LeCarrie Mackey, since he was drafted is like the thing that we're damn confident in with this kid is like when he does get to the NHL, like he's going to be an impact player on your power play. Do you feel the same way about LeCarrie Mackey and that kind of being his big strength?
2: Absolutely. I think, I think with, um, y- you can look at the, the, your garden team last year and that's like the optimal, especially junior hockey line. You've got sort of the, the, the puck possession guy with speed and skill and Oslin. you've got a great finisher in like Karamaki, and you've got an all around really physical, but really well-rounded guy to round out that line in Liam Ogren. And it just really, really worked out. And I think that at the end of the day, yeah, like you, you definitely see that like, Karamaki is a guy who when he's when he's posted up in in the offensive zone on a power play, he's lethal. You give him a little bit of space and he's going to make you pay for it uh, in one way or another with, with that shot he's got. So you have that to fall back on. And I think at 15th, if you get a guy who's on your second or third five-on-five line but your first unit power play, yeah. I don't think anybody complains about getting that in the middle of the first round, even if some fans might look at that and go, oh, we had a first-round pick. And he's not on our not in our top six, but it's like, well, yeah, if you take him off the power play though, you, you remove a massive scoring threat. And that does that does factor in.
0: Well, what should Canucks fans be expecting from Andre Kuzmenko this season?
2: He is honestly one of the few KHL guys. I've had my eye on him since I first started doing data work when he was playing junior hockey in Russia. I, I have liked him for a long time. I thought there was him and Andre Spetlikov who played in CFK Moscow together and Minnesota drafted Spetlikov And I really thought Kuzmenko was going to be the guy that gets drafted. But um, now we're looking back on it and he's one of the few KHL guys where I'm going, yeah, this guy can play in the NHL. Maybe not a first line, probably, probably not a first line guy, but you know, maybe a, a second line guy on an okay team. I'd say a really good third line scorer. Like he's a, he's a, he's a not heavy, but, skilled and powerful sort of offensive guy really good pre-shot skill really good finisher he can make plays below the goal line you know he plays like an NHL player I don't know there might be an, an adjustment period for him but I think that it was he's a guy that you know for me is worth chasing and trying to sign and I think for for, for, for um, Vancouver I think they've got a good sort of we'll see where he fits in but I think you could spot him in somewhere in the middle six you know, let him figure out a role for himself. But, you know, he's not he's not the best transition guy. Um, just a bit heavy footed, I would say. But in terms of the actual things he does really well, especially in the offensive zone, you're gonna get a good offensive player here. Like if you put him out with a facility Pod Colson, for example, you sort of try to build a connection between a more hard working, sort of insanely intense player and in Pod Colson and maybe a bit more of that finishing skill that 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 Kuzmenko has, there might be some synergy there. I don't know. Um, but, I I mean, to me, he, I don't think he's really a player to me where you're going to see him in the NHL for 10 games. He's going to have zero points, and everyone's going to go, why was so many teams interested in this guy? Which has happened before with KHL players. I don't think he's one of those, and I think he's one of the few that, that I would have really, really pushed for to land, and, and that I think that says a lot for Vancouver.
1: I think the big thing that, that I saw, at least in Kizmenko's game, that makes me confident about him coming to this league and having success here in North America was just – I think with a lot of KHL guys whether it be, you know, now the ice is getting back to regular North American size. Now you don't see as many big rinks, but it just feels like Kazmenko never had to think before making the pass. Like he he doesn't have to be one of these guys who really benefits from the extra half second or second that you have in the KHL. It just feels like his 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 passing almost comes from instinct, it feels like a little bit. And you could see that yeah. when he's behind the net, right? Like that was that's his office pretty much in the KHL. Like he mm-hmm. was excellent on the power play uh, for ska last year there. Like I, I think there's certain things that we see in the strengths of his game that make us not worry about him being an NHLer, but aside from the foot speed, is there anything else that sticks out that you might be a little bit worried about kizmenko coming over to the NHL? Well
2: I think the big thing is what a lack of foot speed sort of mm limits you with right like you know to me he's a player who defensively you know he's big enough and strong enough to sort of chip in defensively but against nhl competition i think it's going to be sort of a work in progress or unproven like it's hard to say um for me you know i i don't know if i he'd be a guy where in the nhl i would trust him with sort of here's the puck in the defensive end get it into the offensive zone kind of thing like he can participate in that but his role probably won't revolve around that like you said, I think his play will revolve around playing with the puck in the offensive zone. And you're right in the KHL, he makes things happen. And I think that's a big thing in Russian hockey, especially when they're older and veterans, there's a lot of reaction rather than sort of pushing things, pushing things your way. It's a lot of sort of, I'm going to do this thing and whatever happens, I'll figure it out on the fly. And in the NHL, that just doesn't work. Like in the NHL, it's way too structured. Guys are way too strong and fast and they'll pressure you too quickly. And I think Kuzmenko does recognize when to make plays and keeps things relatively simple but effective, but also has some just really good finishing skills. So in terms of limitations, I think the only thing I noted was that he just really sort of lacks that quickness in his first few steps, and that really can limit you in the NHL as a, as a transition threat or, or as, a, as a threat defensively. So, you know, and I I was listening to Daryl Belfry's um, podcast the other day, and he was talking about Ely Tolanen. Who kind of sounds similar to me to like a guy like Kuzmenko where the foot speed at the NHL level might be a bit limiting, but the offensive tools are, are really, really good there. So is Tolden in a, a 40 point guy, 50 point guy in the NHL? I would say that's possible, uh, especially if you put him on the power play. And is that going to happen with a guy like Kuzmenko? If that's what you get as a, as a, as an ELC signing out of Russia for a 25 year old kid, that's pretty good right like that's a that's a pretty decent pull. you get a good contributor for sort of the middle of your lineup who can finish and I, I think there's I think that's reasonable to expect out of Kuzmenko and if he if he blows me away then great I, I really like him um, it's just you know again I try to set my expectations reasonably and go all right there's there's where my bar is it'd be great if you could beat it but I, because I really really like him and I've, I've, I've seen him for years um, but in terms of where he's at right now and where he could be in the NHL I think he's an NHL player, just maybe not that elite sort of first line. It's not Artemi Panarin, I guess, What I'm getting
1: at. Right, yeah, I'm excited to see him just kind of like set up in the Canucks' second power play unit, right? Like that's where I really just, mm-hmm. you know, all the highlights you see of his primary assists. They're behind the net for Ska, making really good passes either way, like in just quick decisions. So uh, if he kind of finds that spot with Vancouver, I think that's when you're going to see the points go up. But I think 5 on 5 that's just going to be kind of – what we want to watch throughout the season as it goes on to see how he fits in at the NHL speed at five on five, because yeah, it's, it's a lot different than what we see at the KHL. You, you mentioned like some of the guys that just react and I don't know, I think his name's Bereshev, the number 71 for Scott, like that guy just like pops to my mind. Cause like, looks like an incredible player in the KHL, but I'd be damn confident. He doesn't have a lot of success in the NHL because of the reaction and not having the foot speed. So with Kuzmenko, he just he might not put up the points like some other guys in the KHL have in the past few years, but you mentioned these things that look like they should transition. So I think that's why Canucks fans should, you know, have decent expectations for this kid anyways. Yeah. 100%. Yeah, and I mean, he's, he's not going to the AHL, I don't think, unless things really fall apart going into it. Um, yeah, I wouldn't expect that. Yeah, one one more guy I know who's not going to the AHL, Quinn Hughes. Want to just get um, an out-of-Vancouver view on a player like Quinn Hughes. What are your thoughts about him kind of developing over the next few years here? Where does he kind of rank for you as just if you're building a team, you need defensemen, like how how close to the top is Quinn
2: Hughes for you when it comes to that? Um. I love Quinn Hughes. Like, I, as, a, as how, he, how he plays the game and sort of what he brings to the defensive position, I, I love. Um, I think where Quinn Hughes is at is he's in a really tough spot for a young player, in my experience, where he's at a, in a position where he's kind of shown that he's got the skill and the offensive ability to sort of run with whoever. At the at the sort of high end of the NHL, offensively on the defensive end of the game, like he's he's he can he has shown that ability, but everything not everything I shouldn't say everything, but beyond that, you know, beyond what he already what what beyond what has made him special since he was what fifteen, um, I think the rest of it is still sort of coming along. You know, you you really got to walk that balance between taking risk and playing offensively and and settling back and, and and just being in the right position defensively. I think Hughes is kind of learning that balance over the years. I remember his first year looked quite a bit different from his most recent season, and not a bad way or a good way. Just his style of play is slightly getting a little bit different in terms of balance. Mm-hmm. And I think it's re- I think it's really, really hard to go from, I am a really, really good offensive player, and I can produce, and having, you know, on paper, he does have defensive shortcomings. And it's really hard to go from that to, I am one of the great defensemen in the National Hockey League. Like, I watch, Queen, I, I watch Kale McCarr, for example, play defense. And I look at him and go, you know, is Quinn Hughes sort of like an A-minus a, Kale McCarr, right? Like, he's, he can hold a candle there offensively, But I watch Kale McCarr play defense and I'm going, whoever says Kale McCarr can't play defense is lying. Like he he knows he knows how to use his feet and use his speed and use his stick skill to to get involved defensively. Not saying that Quinn Hughes can't, but that's where there's that sort of difference between the two of them right now that's sort of holding Quinn back from like really cementing himself as like Vancouver's number one sort of I guess you could say like franchise labeling defenseman. Could he get there? I mean, he's turning 23 in a couple of months. He's not old. Um, and I think this is going to be a big year for him. It's, it's, I believe the first year of his new extension, I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure it is. Um, and, and it's a, it's a, it's going to be a year where you're kind of hoping that Vancouver sort of gets themselves out of the basement, you know, sort of really challenges for a playoff spot. And he's going to need to be a big part of that, both offensively and defensively. I love Quinn Hughes' style of play. I want, every defenseman in the league to play like he does cuz i think the offense outweighs the the defense the, the defensive shortcomings that might be there but he's in an interesting spot in his career where it's going to be sort of like are you going to take the reins and be a a real sort of high 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 end guy or are you going to be more of this like top 30 35 defenseman overall in the league that has really good offensive tools um, but just the full package just quite isn't there yet. I think that's perfectly acceptable, by the way. I don't think that's a horrible thing. Um, but you know, I, I have high hopes. You know, but it's just it, it, he's in an interesting spot in his career from an outsider's perspective. So I'll be I'll be watching a lot of Canucks this year because uh, I, I love watching him play and I want to see him. I want to see him take off and win all the Norris trophies for sure.
0: Just before we wrap up here an out-of-market view on J.T. Miller. We've had to talk about him way too much. Is he getting traded? We took a week off the other day where we couldn't say his name on the show. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. We (laughs) took an entire week off talking from J.T. Miller. But an out-of-market view on J.T. Miller.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's very, very interesting, right? Like, I I did, so I looked it up, and in terms of, one thing that stands out to me, just as a, as a, in terms of looking at his production over the years, he is one of the more common forwards in the league over the last three seasons when he's really been shooting the lights out with Vancouver in terms of generating secondary assists and even strength. And so that's one thing that colors things a little bit. But the fact that he's produced as much as he has is really remarkable. I think his primary point scoring rate is on the same sort of page as guys like Mika's advantage at and even strength and Brady Point. Um, so maybe not the, the elite of the elite in the league, but pretty freaking close. And so the way I see it is if I'm another NHL team and I see a 29 year old guy who had 99 points last year on a team that really was making a push for the playoffs, but couldn't quite get there. And he's at $5.25 million. If I can get Vancouver to retain half of that deal and I am like Tampa Bay or something, and I get a $2.75 million guy who might be able to score 90 points for me, that's worth a lot. Like that's worth a lot on paper. I don't know exactly what that package looks like. Um, You know, I would imagine that I would be, I would be more than happy to hand over conditional picks or whatever, if I signed him um, and extended him. But even as a team where, You know, you're looking for a rental. Most of the time, I would say, yeah, whatever. Don't really worry so much about rentals. But you know, JT Miller has a heck of a track record, um, and and you know, the numbers don't lie. He's done it over multiple seasons, and you could get him for under for an annual salary of under three million dollars on your books, and and if Vancouver retains, and that could that I'd pay more for that, especially with how tight teams are against the salary cap. Do I think it's going to be like a Jack Eichel style? return at that point probably not but you i i would be more than happy to start with a first round pick and a very very good prospect and see where that goes with vancouver um and maybe add a at a first round pick if i sign him or whatever you know because he might not be an elite of the elite in the league but if i'm getting him at 2.75 million dollars and he keeps producing at the rate he has over the last combined three seasons on the same team on a team that hasn't really been elite I think, yeah, I think that's worth paying for. That kind of puts him in a per dollar sort of elite category. If you can get a guy that scores 90 points for under $3 million a year. I, I don't know how many of those guys are out there, right? So, uh, I, I think in terms of how he is as a player, maybe not sort of unbelievably high end trade package, but when you take into account what he brings to the table, who his statistical comparables are, and the money that you would be paying him for the remainder of the year. Yeah, I I think that Vancouver has all the right in the world to sort of sit back and go, no, we're not going to just give him away. Um, Would I extend him if I'm Vancouver? I'm not sure. I I wonder what that contract looks like. If it is like a Braden Point contract and it's like $9 million for the next eight seasons, I'm not sure I would do that considering he's going to be 30 next year. Um, And I would just see if the market's open. And, you know, is Vancouver going to contend this year? It would be nice, but I'm not sure. So if you could get a, like a pile or a very valuable young player and a first-round pick and a conditional pick if he resigns or something for him, I, I think you're laughing. And I think whoever gets him on the other side will also be laughing. It could be a trade that works out for both sides. Yeah,
1: absolutely. I think, and you bring up good points in as well. Like, you got Bo Horvat, your captain, coming up at the end of this year. Uh, you've got Elias Pedersen, who's on the bridge deal. Likely, if he pops off, he's getting more money. Like, there, there's a lot of situations <laughs> where re signing does make it very difficult. But, uh, all right. It's nice to get an outside point of view on uh, JT Miller. Will, before uh, we wrap up, everyone knows they can find you on Twitter at Scouching. Uh, but c- can you tell people, like, what you do on the Patreon over there uh, for people that haven't checked it out?
2: Yeah. So the Patreon, uh... Basically, you can get access to early access to the videos. Uh, You can get access to the written reports for all the reports that I do. So I do written versions on McKean's. Those also get posted on my own website. Um, You can get access to data sheets where you can track uh, the top 32 on average and their statistical output over the course of the season. Um, You can can get... Data sheets for tracking all the players that have been drafted over the years um, by NHL teams, all split up by teams, just so you can keep track of your favorite teams or look at other people's, you know, favorite prospects or whomever. Um, Or I have a giant tracker of of hundreds of prospects where I just keep track of all of it. It has my rankings in there, um, goalie data. uh, What else is in there? I'm, I'm trying to remember off the top of my head, all kinds of fun stuff. Um, you know, there's, there's tiers for everybody. There's access to a Discord server as well. So if you want to come in, ask questions, talk to a community of what looks to be about 120 people now, which I just realized, which is scary. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's a, it's a good, it's a good place to get some prospect information, whether you want to go full in and, and full on deep into the into the weeds with the data that I track, or you just want to sort of keep up with the best of the best and, and see what see what production they put up and talk prospects in the Discord server with people. There's lots there, so so check it out.
1: Well, you said those goalie numbers. I've seen quads light up there. So you might be getting a new, <laughs> uh, new Patreon support here soon. Uh, and Good I know, know we heard from, from one as well who talked about the Discord when they wanted you uh, to come on the show. And uh, very happy to have you on, Will. It was awesome chatting with you. I definitely want to do this again down the road, um, especially yep. chatting prospects. That's my thing. I love it. Uh, and I, th- I hope to see you in Nashville next year as well. How excited are you for uh, NHL draft in oh. Nashville?
2: Oh my god! I'm so thrilled! I'm so excited! I can't wait! I'll be I'll be looking forward to it. And uh, yeah, I I still owe you uh, I still owe you a really good uh, karaoke rendition of some song. So um, I'll have to I'll have to get back on the horse there. And uh, next year we'll uh, we'll we'll make up for lost time.
1: Absolutely! I've been uh, trialing some new songs here in the shower. So I'll, uh, oh, yeah? I'll I'll come with some good ones next year for you again. But, right. Yeah, we got to get you yeah. up there. Maybe you can take Hero from me. That's a good track. <laughs> <Okay>. Sounds good. <laughs> awesome. Well, appreciate it, man. Have a good rest of the day. Yeah.
2: You
0: too. See ya. And a massive thank you to Will Scouch of Scouching for joining us. I liked his tie Young So take. good. He's, he's good. good. He's he's solid. He was good stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, does a really good job, Will Scouch of Scouching. One thing he had said I had some requests uh, for him, so yeah, I wasn't just making that
1: up. Pete, the listeners of this show have requested him before. So awesome. Well, Nice chat with Will. Met him at the draft. Yeah, nice dude. Karaoke, he was there. He's going to sing next year, he says.
0: Yeah, that's yeah. fantastic. I was there for the interview. Right. I know. I'm just saying. <laughs> Unlike most times. Yeah. Yeah, he, he taught goalie, so I was there. Okay, speaking of which, I want to bring something up from that chat that I found really funny. So he said, I played goalie when I was six, so I don't know how much that uh, helps with him evaluating goalie. That's what he said, right? I was going to make a joke that that's how Yaro Askarov ended up getting drafted in the Ooh. first round, was because go- people who played goalie when they were six were like, oh, he makes all the saves that I wish I could have made when I was six, so he must be good flopping around in the crease like a dead fish yeah we'll see what happens with ask Rob. i tell you i think you're wrong yeah well i've been proven right at every juncture so far all right so and i was saying this before because it was like oh you just make this take because he's a bad world juniors i was saying this when he was like 17 before he ever played in the world juniors i was right. saying when you was, were
1: watching him in the sky every game that's right yeah for sure
0: no i watched a highlight package i literally watched a highlight package and said i don't know about this and then our friends over at what do we use? I can't remember which service we use. They're not really our friends. But then I started watching some actual games, right, where you can filter they're and just friends. watch shots. Yeah, okay. I can't remember what the name, so we're not going to say it. But they don't pay us any money. They're just they're our friends. Really, they're our friends. Okay. So so I go and watch some games, and I was disappointed. Like the guy's stance is just unbelievable. I've never seen anything like it, and not in a good way.
1: Yeah. Well, your boy Klaus Genvo, Not everyone could be like him, you know.
0: That's right. I know. Stand so
1: tall in the net like him. I know. I, I understand. I, hey, what I do you understand. want? Where are you going here? You got something you want to wrap up? Well, I already did yeah, my we prospects we have like three report.
0: minutes left, so I just wanted to point yeah. out, Phil well, Kessel, the, hey, Phil
1: the thrill. Give quads crap. There's no time limit on this show, quads. We
0: got to get you used always, to
1: going under an hour. No, you're always saying, you know, you're trying to rush me out here again.
0: I think our, Greg, our main show, get him, Greg. Our main show, like when we go five days a week, We're gonna shoot for forty-five minutes.
1: Ooh, I thought you were gonna say twenty. You want to get in and out? No.
0: Well, we could do like thirty to forty-five. I think. Yeah, I think that'll be the range. Yeah. Yeah. So, anyway. Maybe more. Some days more. Some Some days days less. We'll see if it's forty-five a g- average. We'll if it's not knows. a game day, it'll
1: probably be longer. Yeah, so. and it's live straight, no cuts down the middle. Oh, well, there might be a little cut might, in the middle. Might be a few. We got to talk about Doordash at some point. Yeah, here. we don't even know
0: what we're going to do yet. We'll Ding figure dong. It out. Yeah. Okay. So Phil Kessel, Phil the Thrill, has signed in the Pacific Division, going to the Vegas Golden Knights on a one-year, one-point-five million-dollar deal. Kessel was really interesting to me, Chris, because last year was the first year of his sixteen-year NHL career in which he scored under ten goals. Still found a way to create offense, putting up the most assists, I believe, that he scored that he registered since the eight seventeen eighteen season with the Pittsburgh Penguins. So not a bad year from Phil, but not the best year either. But for Vegas Adam at one point five, it's a good contract. Like you have a chance that he's going to kind of find his game once again. I I, I think that's the most interesting aspect of it is he's playing on a winner. Uh, and in his intro media, he said, it's nice to play on a team that actually wants to win again. This guy's coming from Arizona, right? So I don't know how hard you're trying in Arizona, but I've heard that this off season that Phil Kessel has been putting in the work and he wants to bounce back next year.
1: Yeah. I mean, you'll see what happens. I think uh, I I just thought it was funny when he signed with Vegas. <laughs> I was like, oh, he's really retiring now, pretty much. Like he's he, going to be at the
0: casinos. It'll
1: be. Uh, I don't know. Vegas needs a lot to fix. I don't think uh, Phil Kessel is going to be the big thing that
0: solves. it. I'm not no. saying you said that, but they've, they've got too many problems in the crease. I think. Yeah, it's, you know what? I won't call it a problem because I like Logan Thompson. They have a lot of uncertainty. It'll be interesting to see how his
1: style of play fits with Vegas' style of play, which I look at and when vegas is playing good it looks like it's like the complete opposite style that phil kessel would fit in and so yeah. where does he play is he a fourth line third this, line guy yeah i think power so power play he's, time right yeah, like that's yeah, where he's play, going yeah. now i mean and he he'll, he'll produce it's not the top 6 phil kessel who no. was you know a great scorer at times like he's still going to be a produce. very different uh different version of kessel at this point point. we'll see what happens well but, keep in mind he was look, on it i like watching him play though me too you know we'll he's on
0: pittsburgh's third line man yeah when they won the cup yeah
1: so oh, I say, like he's a scorer when he's on, but I just don't think we're we're seeing that part of Phil Kessel anymore. But you say he's working out, yeah, well, he's, he's lifting weights.
0: Yeah, I've heard he's actually been like trying very hard.
1: I can't, you know who? Like I don't know. You get all this all the time. All these podcasts, hockey podcasts, don't pop go up
0: too off the rails here. I have something else to say. So what are you gonna say? Well, I, I feel like you're a, about to take it in yeah, a whole different direction. See,
1: you're, you're trying to cut me off. You just want to get out of here. Well, no, uh, I got something else to say. You got a lunch, you got a lunch to get to.
0: I, I'm going to have some ribs.
1: Well, all these players that start podcasts after, it's like, oh, great. Yeah, Not I a have. lot of them catch fire. John Scott, he's a good one. But Phil Kessel, should, like, could you imagine the Phil... The Phil Pod, or whatever he'd call it.
0: I apologize for interrupting you because this is a really good point. Yeah. I think
1: Phil would have a great podcast, and like people going to have a conversation with him. Yeah. Oh my god, it would be so because all you hear like people talk about Phil Castle on other podcasts, and they like have all they always have like one hilarious story. This dude was there for all the Phil Castle yeah, stories, exactly. So he's he got to bring the people Phil Castle story, like, like an absolute. I think he could be like the first like Hall of Fame podcaster for hockey. Yeah, if he goes into it, he'd be perfect for it.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
1: (laughs) All right, now what do you? Now you can. (laughs) Well, now I'm thinking
0: about Phil Kessel and another guy. The guy I was actually going to bring up before you said this, PK Subban, is still on the market. I don't know how much sense it makes for the Canucks, but there's a lot of uncertainty with Tucker Pullman. And as I've made clear a few times, I don't really believe in Tucker Pullman too much, even if he is healthy. Obviously, I'm hoping he's healthy and everything. I don't think he's a irreplaceable third-pairing defenseman. I think I would much rather take Subban at one year, 1.5, than have Tucker Pullman on my third pairing.
1: Yeah, I, I'm still... I think there's a reason why Subban's still on the market. For, for Kind of like a two-way street for it, too. I think he expects probably more money than and he's getting offered, and teams very much expect to pay him less than what he's expecting. I, I think that's the reason why. Because I think teams would like to add Phil Kessel to your third pairing for cheap, But I, or sorry, uh P.K. P. Subban. Yep. Like teams want to add P.K. Subban to their third pairing for dirt cheap for, like you said, one year, 1. 1.5. I don't know if that's what P.K. wants to do because he could make more money going to work for yeah. ESPN and doing hockey at ESPN. Yeah, exactly. Why would you play a season at 1.5 million when that's probably what he would get? Close to that, at least, anyways, doing ESPN all year long and just chilling.
0: Yeah, exactly. You know, you're, up,
1: you're up there with Wayne Gretzky.
0: Yeah, exactly. He's your line mate. And now. I was going to say, there's another guy that's going to be really good at podcasting and, and any media career he puts his mind to is P.K. Subban, much like uh, Kevin Bieksa. Yeah. Okay,
1: we'll close it out there. Dude, imagine that, the Bieksa and Kessel podcast.
0: Bieksa, Kessel, and Subban. Might be too many voices. Dude, we don't believe in know, three just, hosts.
1: Just Juice and, and Kessel. That yeah. would be unreal. I'd listen to that. Yeah. Okay. We'll Shut, close it out there. If that ever happens, this podcast is dead. The whole world of hockey podcasts <laughs> is dead. Spitting chiclets, dead.
0: Back to the drawing board.
1: Yeah. Everything will be gone. Except for the drop on gloves guys. Those are good dudes over there. They're giving us they're promoting us on their accounts.
0: Yeah. They scratch our backs, we scratch theirs. Yeah. Maybe we'll have
1: John Scott. We'll have him on Yeah, we should have John Scott I think on. just chatting hockey would be he Except he been, just
0: talked about JT Miller the whole time.
1: Yeah, or how uh, the Canucks are a playoff team and best cup team in
2: contender. the West. He cup called contender. him a cup he says, contender. Yeah, yeah maybe
0: he, he should come on the show. Let's yeah, yeah he brings some good Canucks hype. All right. All right, we'll close it out there. For my co-host, Chris Faber, my name is Dave Grigiolli. Our thanks again to Will Scouch of Scouting for joining us on this episode. Thank you so much to you, the listeners, for joining us on this episode of the Canucks Conversation. Thanks for listening to Canucks Conversation. Delivered by DoorDash. Hit the subscribe button to never miss an episode. How about keep it to a thank you, Jim?